Hey guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Hey, this is Chloe from Jenny's team, and we're so glad you're on this journey with us. You guys are going to love today's episode with Dr. John Townsend. Dr. Townsend is known for his book's Boundaries that he wrote with Dr. Cloud, and he's also a business coach and a leadership consultant. And today we are going to hear from Jenny and Dr. Townsend as they talk about handling difficult relationships, toxic relationships. I hope that you find today practical and helpful, and we hope you enjoy it. So I'm really excited about this interview today. And the reason I'm excited is because I read one of Dr. Townsend's books. I don't know, probably, how long has it been, Dr. Townsend, since you released Boundaries? I would say, well, it's 1992. I was 12 years old at the time. <laughs> well, yes. And I was probably about that age when I read it. Just kidding. Um, I think I read it in college, post-college, which would have been later in the 90s for me. And it was radical. I think it shifted all of our perspectives, and it still is, really, on what it means to be in healthy relationships. So I'm really excited for you to get to discuss this with our people because I do think that there are so many misconceptions about what it means to be in healthy community and how we live out these relationships that can get so complicated sometimes. And so let's just start, let's dive right in and let's start with why you saw a need for this topic back in the day. Back in the day, Henry Cloud and I were actually we were owning and operating health centers, a system of health centers up and down the west coast of California between Seattle to the north and San Diego to the south. And um, these were Christian counseling and psychiatric centers. So we had inpatient units where we saw people who were really struggling. They would stay there for weeks and weeks to get well. And then we also had uh, a lot of outpatient centers where they, you know, there's like once a week counseling. And we, we began noticing something. And that was that so many people would come in with a depression or an anxiety or a eating disorder or, you know, stuff that's horrible, uh, bad relationship problems. And they did all the good things you're supposed to do that the Bible says about loving the Lord and surrender and reading your Bible and following the Holy Spirit. And they weren't getting better. They were getting worse. And it's like, hey, why are the good guys getting worse here? And because we had studied all this stuff together, we realized that a lot of these people had no boundaries. They couldn't say no, and they couldn't say, you know, that's not okay with me. It's, it's, it's like nobody ever told them Proverbs 4.23, which says, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings of life, and hundreds of other verses. And so they were, they were, they were having uh, uh, problems with addicts in their life and narcissistic disorders in their life, and they were just kind of getting beat up and beat up and giving and giving and beat up and beat up and giving and giving. Well, you guys got to say no. And they felt bad about it. We said, let's open our Bibles. We would have these sessions with them in, in, the, in the units and say, read Matthew. 
Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And shake the dust off your sandals sometimes. In Galatians 6, do not be confused. that God is not mocked. A person will read what they said. And so what we realized was people just didn't feel like, especially Christians, it was okay to say no. So we said, we can't have that. We started giving them boundaries, and they started getting well. The marriages got better. Their depressions went away. They had great careers. And so we looked around, and there were plenty of books written on the Christian space about love and surrender, all you want. Nothing written about say no when you need to. So we had a mission, which was to help people to see that there are hundreds, literally hundreds of Bible passages about self-responsibility, and that's not being selfish. It's being a good steward of the life God gave you, and that's when we wrote the book. Mm. And so let's just, for everybody that maybe hasn't read the book, talk a minute about what a boundary is. Well, simply put, um, a boundary is a property line. Like in your home, you've got, you know, if you live in an apartment, it's the walls around you. And if it's a, if you've got a house, it's the, it's the yard around you. And there's this line, you go to the county seat courthouse and there'll be something there. And everything in that line is your responsibility. It's literally, you're responsible for it. If your plumbing goes bad, then, you know, that problem at 3 a.m. when you're getting towels and you're using plungers, that's your plumbing problem. Now, if your neighbor's house is getting a plumbing problem. You want to help your neighbor and go over there and support them and all that. But ultimately, that's your neighbor's problem. And so boundaries mean I'm responsible for everything within my property line. Well, if you look back to Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart. What's inside the heart? What am I responsible for? Well, it's things like my time, my energy, my money, my feelings, my core values, my passions, And I'm responsible to do something good with those and create something healthy to give God back and do great work in his kingdom. But the minute I start taking over responsibility for somebody else's property line, I violated that and I've become a codependent. And if you've ever had someone, always when I'm speaking to people, I'll just say, let's talk about the property line. How many of you have a person in your life in some some form or fashion where they said, hey, I'm miserable and it's your job to make me happy? Everybody raises their hands and I'll say, right, we all know that and have done that. How, how is that working for you? And they all go, well, we're both miserable now because, because God never made us to take over charge of somebody's life, unless there's an infant or somebody in a medical condition. That's that sort of thing. So the property line works when I'm responsible for me and two others. And if you keep the four and the two straight, life is really a lot better. Well, and I think it was so radical because you're right, that idea of surrender and loving unconditionally is so clear and often preached. And so it's, you kind of start to miss where that can get unhealthy. And, and I mean, doesn't it kind of come down to idolatry of what do you love most? What do you put as the thing that's going to bring you happiness? And, and are you willing to, to make sacrifices to basically come back to God as that primary Person that's I, I do. I think that's part of it. I think there's other things besides idolatry going on. For example, fear. I'm afraid to say no because I might hurt somebody I care about, or I feel guilty when I do this because I don't want to harm you, or because you might leave me. So there is the the idolatry part, but there's also fear of and, and like old patterns from old relationships that kind of make our head fuzzy. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I remember one of my seminary professors. We just 
absolutely, he was our favorite professor. And we were like, why aren't you a pastor? You would be such a good pastor. And he said, I don't like people. He was like, I used to be a pastor, <laughs> but I don't like people. And at the time we were young and naive and we were like, how can he say that? That's just horrific. And then later, you know, we were pastors and of a church and we were like, oh, we get it. <laughs> people are hard. And it, and it is kind of along these lines of what does it look like? Because we're always going to be in relationship with people that are hurting, that are that are going through difficulty, but also that are unhealthy. And what does it look like to be healthy in the midst of a broken world with relationships that are inevitably going to bump up against us and hurt us or wound us or disappoint us? So let's talk about that. We know, I mean, I love how you started this because you're saying this is actually in God's word. This is not something in opposition to God's word. This is actually something that is very clearly laid out in God's word. Oh, just open the and book. So, There's, I think, 300 references. So when do we know, okay, this relationship is needing a boundary? Because I think that's the, you know, unconditionally loving people is not what you're against. You're saying that within that unconditional love, there needs to be a healthy line drawn of what it means to, to what? To be in relationship with you, to, to have you know, what, what is that boundary? What are you actually drawing boundaries around? Sure. Um, by the way, I really like the way you phrase it because it's within the love. So many people say, oh, I, I'm, I, I got I'm loving too much and I need a boundary. And I go, whoa, whoa, well, read your Bible. You can't love too much. God is love. So it's not an either or. I'm too loving. Now I need boundaries. I got too many boundaries. I need enough love. It's both and. God loves unconditionally and sacrificially, but he also says no and says limits at the same time. And that was really important to understand for people. So there are what I consider three boundary skills that everybody needs. Skill number one is to be able to define yourself. Sometimes there's no problem. It's just that you're not being clear and having your voice. And it means, you know, I don't feel like Mexican tonight. I think I'd like to go for Chinese food. Well, that's a boundary. It's saying, I'm defining myself, or I really like this kind of worship music. I'm not crazy about this kind of worship music. Now, there's no big fight going on, but people that don't define themselves find themselves in trouble sooner or later. So you've got to define yourself. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. Second skill is the ability to say no in a healthy way, in a loving way. So that's when people say, oh, I need your time. Can you speak? Can you, can you, can you like, I don't know, uh, have lunch with me twice a week for the next two, two years because you're a wise person. And sometimes we'd say, gosh, I'd love to, but that doesn't work for me. And we have to disappoint people in healthy ways because God disappoints people all the time. We're not, we can't be there for everybody. And then the third is to be able to say confrontations in a loving way where we go to the person and say, like it says in Matthew 18, you know, when somebody sins against you, go to that person. And we have to say, um, this isn't okay with me. Now, the, uh, the not okay things tend to be around behavior, and, and uh, conversations and attitudes. If the person's behaviors are hurtful or, I mean, maybe they're taking advantage of you uh, in some financial way or whatever, behavior is a big thing. If somebody's behavior is unloving and taking away your freedom, you got to talk to them. If sometimes the conversations are unloving, like um, if somebody's yelling and screaming and judging you or criticizing you or gossiping about you or whatever, you have to confront that. And then the, the, the other piece is, is just their attitude. Seems like every time I say no, you get mad at me like I'm a bad person, but I want you to be free and me too. So you, if you stick with behavior and conversations and attitudes, 
Those are the things we have to make sure there are boundaries around to keep respect and love. So when do we know this is a relationship that maybe you need to think about putting better boundaries in place? When you're finding that you can't be the you that God made you to be, when you can't have choices and be okay, when you can't have someone respect your choices and uh, accept your choices, even if they don't agree, and when you don't feel like you could be emotionally connected, it always comes down to love and fr- and freedom and self-protection. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, I think, you know, I look back at when Zach and I were first married, we'd been married about five years. And I, I mean, it's so interesting because it's exactly what you're saying that I had lost myself. Like I, in an effort to please him and an effort to have peace in our home, I just, I just became exactly who he wanted me to be, which was very (laughs) non-emotional, very non-dramatic, which is not me. Mm -hmm. And really putting um, my gifts to sleep, like not pushing the envelope. And I had somebody wise call me out and just say, Jenny, that, and I guess that's why I brought up the idolatry thing earlier was that's what it was for me. It was idolatry. Like I had put pleasing him ahead of pleasing God Mm. and, and what he had for me. And so, you know, I went to him and I, and I told him this and I said, I really think we should go to counseling. And that began such, I mean, it really is that year and a half is why today, 22 years in, we have the greatest marriage. We are so close. But I think we, this is, you are literally defining the thing that brought us to counseling and the thing that made us realize like this, because we were at peace, you know, we weren't fighting. There wasn't, there wasn't, but, but I was, I had lost myself and I was not who God made me to be. And I was in an effort to, to please him was, was dying to what God had for me. And, and it's just, it's interesting that you are, yeah, you nailed it. You you know, what's so funny about that. I, I love your story because there's a big difference between what the Bible says of being a peacemaker, Matthew 5, and being a peacekeeper. And when you get the difference, mm-hmm. oh, the Bible tells me to make peace, but sometimes I've got to, you know, disrupt things and have some difficult conversations. But peacekeepers, there's nothing in the Bible that says be a peacekeeper. Yeah, and that can apply to a lot of life. In fact, my friend Latasha Morrison, we talk about that and we talk about. She's a racial reconciliation advocate, and it's just she's given her life to it, and and that's exactly how she lives. I mean, it is it is a hard road, but she is actively pursuing peace. But it is very active, and some days it looks the opposite of peace. Sometimes you got to be a little disruptive for things to grow. Yes, and I'm so grateful for that person that said that to me because I needed that permission, and I think that's why I wanted to have you on. Was I think we all need permission to say no sometimes. We need permission to to back up and to you know think about who we're becoming. And I, I do believe the relationships we have will become who we are. You know, within a year or two years, like the people we spend time with, that's part right, of. Okay, you need to say that statement again for your listening audience. That was like brilliant. Say that again. The people that we're around are going to determine who we are becoming. There you go. That's what the Bible and, says. And that's it, what the science yeah, says. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And so if we don't think through that well, I loved the guard your heart verse. Like that's ultimately a proactive stance that we've got to take. And yet so many people are letting relationships drain them and drain them and and really define them. And I would say sometimes without even realizing it, it's, it, it is abusive in the sense of continual negative talk that causes you to lose who you are. And I think we, we do. We think that it is ungodly to stand up and to say this is wrong or this is not good for me. 
And so I think that permission that you are giving people with this book that you and Dr. Cloud gave people, it is a different way to think. We want to communicate with you and let you know the things that are happening with the podcast and ask you some questions as well. So text Jenny Allen, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N to 31996. That's Jenny Allen, one word, to 31996. And we will add you to our text stream and we'll send you all kinds of fun stuff, free stuff, communication and questions. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Okay, so let's talk about burnout because this is one of the things you address really well in this. Because I mean, this is rampant, this overwhelmed feeling that so many people are feeling right now. What would you say to them and how boundaries can serve as a help in this very hectic, hustling culture? Yeah, it is it is that kind of culture. What, what I always like to tell people is imagine a, a fraction, you know, a fraction in math when you were in seventh grade. There's a, a, the numerator is the number on top, and then the denominator is the number on bottom, and in the middle is this line called a line. I never remember what the nine line is, but you know, it means a half or three quarters or whatever. And imagine on the top in the numerator, you put my responsibilities. Now, what are my responsibilities? Well, I have to you know, raise kids. I have to either have a great marriage or have good dating relationships. I've got to be self-care. I've got to go to church. I've got to worship. I've got to make some money. I got to handle financial demands and pay my bills. Those are all our responsibilities in life. And that's just kind of normal life. But you've got to have some resources to pull that off. And so underneath that line is the denominator and put the word resources. So responsibilities on top, resources on the bottom. What are my resources? Well, I got a certain amount of time and energy and support and help and the Lord and money and whatever. And there's nobody I know who has a perfect one over one. There's nobody that's that balance. I'm not, you're not, we're just not. And I know very few people where the responsibility part is smaller than the, you know, resources part. I don't, I don't have a lot of people in my life that say, oh my gosh, I'm a 0.5. I got so much extra time. I got so much extra money. I'm just going to sit on an island and, you know, read books. No. Most of us are way over on that number. And they're out of balance. And that's and burnout tech, it really just comes from that. It comes from a really big responsibility number and a too low resource number. Now, there's only two ways to fix that number and bring it closer into balance, right? I've either got to decrease my responsibilities or I've got to increase my resources or both. And then people go, okay, now I see why I'm burnt out. I'm taking on all these tasks and I'm not getting enough help and whatever. I said, yeah, let's just figure out the math. Do you, what, res what responsibilities do you need to come down on and what resources do you need to increase on? And guess what happens? Burnout goes away. Yeah. Well, and I think that requires a boundary, which is oftentimes to make choices and to say no and disappoint people. Yep. And the thing about it though, is that a lot of times when persons never had boundaries, their first boundary is not very nice. 
No. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> so true. Said people read the book and they'd say, I read the book and I'd never said no. And I'm 42 years old and I, I did everything my mother said and my father said, and then everything my spouse said and everything my kids said. And I finally read the book and I went to my husband and I said, it's going to change around here. I'm going to have a boundary. And he went, God, what green eyed monster are you? Right. And I yeah, said, right. well, it, it, people feel that way because they've never, never said no. But if you make your, your no a loving no, you know, you're not talking to some mean person. You're just saying, Hey, I, I haven't spoken up about how it bothers me that you, you know, I don't know, don't, that you don't pick up your socks or that sometimes your voice is unkind. And I'm sorry. Cause I, I should have let you know that I want to work that out. You start off with a tender, kind, vulnerable way before you like, you know, set out the, the banners. Now, Matthew 18 does say, if the person doesn't listen, then you bring two or three witnesses and you bring a whole bunch of people and you escalate it. But your first boundary with somebody should never be, you know, hey, I'm going to have a, a parade all over your head. Right. Yeah. I feel like this whole, everything you're talking about, it's kind of, this is how you grow up. <laughs> this is how exactly. you become an adult. It's how you know? we grow up. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I want to read this quote out of Entitlement Cure because I think it's a funny perspective when it has to do with that. People who have happiness as their goal get locked into pain, pleasure, motivation cycles. They never do what causes them pain, but always do what brings them pleasure. This puts us on the same thinking level as a child who has difficulty seeing past his or her fear of pain and love of pleasure. And I really, I love that quote in this conversation because I think that's a lot of people's fear is like I felt early in our marriage, which was, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be a troublemaker. Most people are going to side with, it's just too much trouble. And I'm just going to stay, even though this is toxic, um, I'm just going to stay in it. I can handle it. It's not a big deal. But you say, I mean, that's the same as a child that we're saying we're choosing pleasure and comfort over a greater way. Or, 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 Or maybe not even pleasure, but more absence of conflict because you know most of us when when there's a conflict we feel unloved or we feel fear of rejection so a lot of time it's, it's it's not as much pleasure as it is i just don't want the hassle and the arguments so one of the things we're talking about in the season is what it looks like to find healthy friendships so let's talk about that for a minute what you look for when you're building community and what you think we should be looking for I just released a book that has seven or eight attributes. My new book, People Feel, talks about, because people always say that, like, okay, now I'm setting boundaries. Now, you know, I don't have any more friends, so give me t- – <laughs> they all want to – That's away. not what you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do I – and I always say, well, there's, there's seven or eight things to always look for. Number one is um, shared essential values, core values. You know, basically a, a similar outlook on life. If you want a deep friend, I mean, nobody should agree on everything because that's just not healthy, but – kind of, you know, you feel the same way about love and God and, you know, relationship and success and all that. Um, the second thing is that they're for you no matter what, and you're for them. Even if you disagree, it's, it's the grace position. I'm for you. I mean, I want you to, I want to help you, even if we don't see things the same way. I never want to judge you. The third is honesty. We you commit in a friendship. Now, if you see me doing something in my marriage or my parenting or whatever, that's not okay. Would you tell me? Because that's what friends do. The next one is vulnerability, where people really go beyond just sharing how life's going to how they're really struggling and where the hurts are. And that takes a very safe friend. But, you know, life's short. I don't think you should be around, spend a whole lot of time of your friendships around people who can't be vulnerable. It's very important. Um, The next one is mutuality. Like, it's about me and it's about you. And when we get together, 
I'm going to talk about my life and challenges and wins and losses. And you talk about yours. And if it's like 90, 10, every time you guys have lunch and it's not, it's 10% about you and 90% about the other person, that's not really a friendship. That's more of a ministry. And so we're supposed to disciple and help with other people, but the 90, 10 doesn't work as a mutual friendship over time. The next one is a commitment to growth that I want my closest friends in the book. I call it my life team. My model is three to 10 people in your life who or have these qualities. They'll make your life much better. For them, growth is not just a, hey, I'll see you when I see you, but I am reading books. I'm going to meetings. I'm studying the Bible. I'm, I'm talking to people. I'm going to conferences. I want people who are committed to self-growth and self-improvement. And then finally, chemistry. And you can't really define chemistry. It just is. And there's, I just want to be around people that have all those other great qualities, but also I want to be with them. I don't want to have people in my life where, I wake up in the morning, I've got lunch with Sam, and I think, you know, I just, it's going to feel like eating broccoli raw all day. I just, you know, he's, I, I know, I know he's good for me. I know he helps me, but I'm dread- I want to be saying, I can't wait to see him. We got so much to talk yeah. about. So that's when people say, How do you define a friend? I say, Then get your life team together, and those are the eight qualities. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I guarantee you right now, people are like, I don't even know if I could find somebody with four of those qualities. You know, yep. I think that's that's the challenge, right? Is is life giving people um, that are healthy and growing and love God, like finding those people. I have a system for that. Oh yay! Yeah, I love your because everybody <laughs> asks that question. Like, what? I mean, do I go one eight hundred find a friend? How do I do this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Start a, start a friend matching start, site. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> On your smartphone. You right. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So I said, okay, yeah. I, th- I thought it was a good question. So here's where we start. Everybody pretty much on your listening audience has outlooks and contacts in your contacts app that has all the people you have addresses and names. And I think people have somewhere between, I don't know, 700 and a couple of thousand people in that, that we've, we kind of accumulate them over the years, right? So you go to that. I've done this for myself so I could like eat my cooking. It'll take an hour or two and just go through that list person to my person. You think, oh, I haven't seen them for a while. They have, they might have those qualities. I like them. And there's another person. What I need to talk to them. And you'll hit somebody and you'll go, oh, they're still in federal prison. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> but you get to the end, you'll have, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. And then you just take the top one, the person that you feel the closest to. And you call them and you say, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Let's grab lunch. And they do. Mm-hmm. And you just talk about life as you're eating your chicken salad or whatever. And what the, what the system does is you make one vulnerable move toward them. You just take one little risk with them. Just stick your toe in the water. Like not, er, not everything is great and the Lord's blessing me and everything's fantastic and Hillsong's playing in the restaurant. I mean, life is not always like that. And so one little thing, like I'm struggling with my daughter. She's kind of upside down right now. Or me and Jim had a fight last week and we're trying to get through that. Or I'm concerned about a health issue or maybe a job issue, but a little thing. And that person will tell you whether they qualified to be on your life team by one of three responses. Response number one, you say they're struggling. They go, goodness gracious, the weather out here is amazing, isn't it? Okay. Jenny, what are they telling you? <laughs> Do not go there. Do not go there. <laughs> I, I don't, whatever you're doing about taking risk and vulnerability, I just want to keep it happy. And you go, okay, I respect that, but not probably a good candidate. 
Second response, when you say maybe, you know, our 13 year old is, we're struggling with her, they go, well, you got to read these three books. And are you taking supplements? Are you really praying about your kid three times a day? I think you need to get up early in the morning. Are you a good model for your kid? I got a good therapist for you. I got a good church for you. Well, you know, kind of the advice monster in our lives. And they're, they're well-meaning, but they're saying something too. They're saying, I would rather just kind of fix you. I don't want to hear about this. Yeah. But the third person is the good one where they put their fork down and they look at you and their eyes are kind and they lean toward you. They physically lean toward you and they go, your daughter, Samantha, I, I had no idea. We love her. I'm so sorry to hear that. How's that feel? Tell me more about it. Can I pray for you? We want to be your friend. How are you doing? It must be overwhelming. And they're moving toward your vulnerability instead of fixing or ignoring it. Mm. And then you say in yourself, hey, that's good. And then you have another lunch a couple of weeks later and another one. And by the, about the third or fourth one, you'll know this person's got those eight qualities. And then you say to the person the following, hey, I'm really getting intentional about my personal growth, my spiritual growth, and I'm trying to be more structured about it. And I really love our time together. And I'd love to get together on some regular basis, talk a lot about life and how to make things better and, and how, how God's made us and our relationships and all that. And whenever I, I do this with CEOs, because CEOs tend to be very isolated, you know, kind of like the leader without a lot of people in their lives. And they'll go out and have this. And it takes about four months. And, and they'll come back and I'll say, how did it go? And they'll say, 90% of the people that I said, would you like to have a more growth-oriented structure relationship, have said, are you kidding me? I need this. I don't have this either. And they're off and running. Well, you're not just teaching people how to find those people. You're teaching them to be those people too, which is as go. needed in there the world. There you go. So that was incredible. Thank you so much, Dr. Townsend. This has been so helpful. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more from Dr. Townsend, you can look up on Amazon or anywhere books are sold for his books called Boundaries. He has a couple books in the Boundaries series, and then he has a new book coming out called People Fuel that we think you guys would really enjoy. So we'll make sure to put all the links in the show notes. Would you also do us a quick favor? We really need your help getting on iTunes, leaving a review, and subscribing. It helps other people find the podcast, and we just really appreciate all of you who have left reviews so far. We will see you guys next time.